This is what you say in English. Every week, you will listen to Frank's professional advice on speaking for exam preparation or for your personal development. You will get valuable advice on how to use grammar, vocabulary, discourse, and pronunciation. This is Season 2, Episode 36. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of What You Say in English, the podcast in which I listen to you and give my professional feedback. Today is going to be a very, a super short episode. I was debating, to be honest, between not doing it and doing it because my allergies are becoming very intense. And it's usually the last two weeks of the month of May. So I really hope that by next week I'm going to you know, to start feeling a lot better. But quite honestly, I didn't want to leave you without a, an episode this week. It's going to be very short. I'm going to be basically talking about a message that I received from a wonderful listener from Chile. His name is Manuel. And also to talk about a little bit about minimal pairs. And I think I've, I've spoken about minimal pairs before in my show, but I want to call your attention to something that you know, might shock you in, in terms of um, exam preparation. So stay tuned. I'll be right back. So as I said before, Manuel from Chile sent me this incredible message. But first of all, he started sending me uh, emails and in those emails, he was saying how wonderful my podcast was and how happy he was that he found it and that he was 50 something years old and that, that it was an epiphany for him. That's a wonderful word, by the way, epiphany. And this is the message. Hi, Frank. I finally decided to send a clip to your fantastic podcast. As I told you by email a couple of days ago, I became a fan of your show, mainly for your very intelligible accent and your nice approach to students and listeners. I know your attention was captured by my statement about how I discovered your show. It was an epiphany for me, but it was, I swear. I have some experience in learning with native teachers and I can share you that all of them have the same dedication and passion for teaching. As you know, I'm 57 right now. And since I was a Chilean teenager, one of my goals has been to achieve that very difficult fluency in English. Well, how do you like them apples? That's a very nice expression that we have in the United States. How do you like them apples? It's when, when you say something that will shock other people just because it's shocking, surprising. And, you know, thank you very much, Manuel. I think you made me blush. It's, it's not something that usually happens, but thank you. Thank you very much for your wonderful words. I have to say that your pronunciation is amazing and you have incredible fluency and you have incredible intelligibility. And honestly, I have absolutely nothing to say about your message. I know that you wanted to prepare it and you wrote something before sending it in. And uh, for that, I appreciate it because I think that in order to get practice and fluency, you need to prepare what to say. 
And this is part of everyday, you know, life and making sure that you, what you're, whatever you're going to say, you have thought about it, you have prepared it. And of course, in terms of uh, saying, for example, that you have great fluency, of course, I know that you prepared it, but this is the first step. I know that every beginning is difficult and to get to fluency, you need a lot of practice. Now, practicing is if you've, uh, if you've listened to any of my episodes, I, I usually talk about something, a phenomenon called automatization. So when you automatize the way you speak, I mean, if you make it as a regular habit, your fluency will be improved a great deal. You know what the saying says, practice makes perfect. And, and that's the only way to go. And I think you did a great job here. But if I had to pinpoint something and listen, this is this absolutely has nothing to do with your uh, capacity to pronounce in English. I know that in Spanish, for example, there's no difference between the B and the V. And the way you, you said very sounded more like the, the fruit, berry. You know, like when we say strawberry, raspberry, or blackberry. So let's take a listen to how you said it. I became a fan of your show, mainly for your very intelligible accent. Very intelligible accent. So it sounded more like berry. And coincidentally, we have two words. Not only the fruit, for example, when we say berry, like strawberry, but also the verb berry. When we, for example, a person dies and it's taken... The person is taken to the cemetery, so the person is buried on the ground. And this is very interesting because it tells us about the minimal pairs in English. And this is something that I wanted to talk to you about today. And normally, in minimal pairs don't create problems with intelligibility, but it's it's a kind of a funny thing that sometimes happens in, in English. And as a lot of native speakers find curious and, and fun in in English. If you've seen, for example, Modern Family, Gloria is a person who comes from Colombia. She has a very, of course, she does an accent. She does this uh, foreign sounding accent, like a Latino accent. And for the sake of the show, she exaggerates quite a lot. But I mean, her English is a lot better. I've, I've seen interviews with Sofia Vergara and she does an incredible job. Her English is amazing. Of course, the show has I would say tainted the way she speaks English, but in the show, they play with those minimal pairs a lot and, you know, creating some sort of confusion, which I think it would not happen in real life. I mean, of course they do it for the comedic effect. And I will explain in the next segment why those things might create confusion. The first minimal pair that I would like to talk about is the difference between the j sound and the ch sound. They're very similar. Actually, they are articulated in the same part of the mouth, but one is voiced and the other is voiceless. When I say voiced, it means that I produce voice from my throat. And when I say voiceless, it means that there's no voice. So to give an example, when we say the name George or James or Jack, the first sound is a very strong J sound and it's voiced. The same sound, which is articulated in the same place in the mouth, does not have a voice, does not, it's voiceless. 
So we say, for example, church, chalice, cheese. And this last word is the one that created confusion because in the scene, in, in this episode of Modern Family, Gloria talks to Jay's secretary and she tells her to order a box of baby cheeses. Cheeses as a plural of cheese. So, ba you know, the baby cheeses. I think the most famous brand is Baby Bell. It's those round cheeses that, that you can buy and they're, you know, children love them. But the thing is that Gloria mispronounced the sound and made it a voiced sound saying Jesus. And Jay got a box of baby Jesuses, which is funny, by the way. The plural of Jesus would be Jesuses. So, you know, when, when, when it's Christmas time, a lot of Christian people love to put the nativity set, you know, the baby Jesus and the Mary and Joseph and the whole set, the nativity set, will have a baby Jesus. So basically, Jay got a box of baby Jesuses, and that was the confusion. So listen to that fragment from the show. I told you, Jay, I called your secretary and told her to order you a box of baby cheeses. That sound that you heard after Gloria spoke is the box opening and Jay showing the little figure of a baby Jesus. And it was, you know, funny. It was supposed to be funny because of that mispronunciation. The difference between one sound and the other produced this confusion. So the whole thing is that a person understood something else. And this is the whole thing about intelligibility, making sure that there are no misunderstandings because you mispronounced something in English. The next clip is a little more complicated because it's not exactly a minimal pair. It's just a mispronunciation of a, of a diphthong. And I know that making diphthongs in English might be difficult. Actually, it is difficult for a lot of native speakers in different varieties of English. For example, in Southern, in many varieties of Southern English in the U.S., they would have a really hard time, for example, to make the diphthong in the word fire or the word oil because it's normal. I mean, it's a, it's a natural trait in their variety of English that they would say fire or oil. They would not make a diphthong at all. That's part of their dialect, which is a normal marker of their variety of English. But for foreign speakers, for example, pronouncing diphthongs can be really complicated sometimes, especially when that sound does not exist in their own language. Or the word might be similar, but still the word from their original language does not have that diphthong, you know, the, the diphthong that I'm talking about, you know, the combination of two vowels. So let's take a listen to the clip. You're going to be a gargoyle and I'm going to be an evil village. She means gargoyle. That's what I said. The word she mispronounced was gargoyle. So a gargoyle is those statues that are in Notre Dame, in the Cathedral of Notre Dame in, in Paris, the gargoyles. If you've seen, for example, the film, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, of Notre Dame or Notre Dame, Notre Dame in, in French, those statues, we call them gargoyles, and she pronounced them as gargle. So gargle is what we do when we use mouthwash. We brush our teeth and then we take, for example, Listerine, which is the most famous brand, I would say, in the world, and then we gargle. So we, we do something like, you know, that sound, and that's, that's what makes it funny, of course. Gargle, gargoyle. So you have to pronounce the oil at the end. So it's, it might be difficult and I can understand this one 
But again, of course, Manny, her son, was correcting her. She means gargoyle. But that's part of the context. From context, you can probably get it. Of course, she was talking about witches. And of course, it would make sense that gargoyle, the mispronunciation, would be gargoyle. Of course, it m makes it funny. And it would be definitely a joke, you know, something to laugh about or, you know, something that would be like an anecdote. You know, when you tell other people, oh, I used to pronounce it like this. But apart from that, I don't think that it would create, mm, you know, a, a very strong confusion or m a misinterpretation of something. Of course, when it comes to exams, this would be penalized. And you would have to be careful with, with these things because there's a part in pronunciation, for example, that we call individual sounds. So when it comes to individual sounds, in this case, the pronunciation of the vowels, it would create some sort of intelligibility problem. Okay, so it's not exactly a minimal pair, but it is in a way. In this other clip, Gloria cannot make a difference between the short uh sound and the long oo sound. And this can create a lot of confusion. For example, when we say the word pull or when we say the word pool, the first one is the action, the verb to pull. When you pull the door, for example. And the other one, pool, it's a long oo sound. And it's, for example, the swimming pool. I don't think it's much of an issue, but in this clip, you will hear clearly how Phil's son, Luke, misunderstood Gloria. Just to put you a little bit in context, Gloria was on the last floor of the house and Luke, Phil's son, was looking for something in the attic and she was calling him and there was a confusion between the verb look and the name Luke, which is, of course, it has a long oo. Let's take a listen. Look at what? What do you mean at what? I said look. I am looking. I, I get it. Look sounds like look. In this case, for example, Gloria could not tell the difference. Actually, she was pronouncing both the verb and the name the same way. And you would not hear, you would not be able to hear any difference in this case. So just to recap a little bit, the verb is to look. It's a short sound and the other is Luke it's a long oo sound and the poor Luke did not did not understand I mean he said I am looking and in the end Gloria got that why he couldn't understand her and of course I can find a lot more moments in which Gloria mispronounces lots of words but remember it's a character I know for sure because I've seen and, and heard Sofia Vergara's English in many, many interviews. And she speaks a very good English. She's been living in the States for quite a long time. She's currently married to Joe Manganiello. If you don't know who he is, you just have to see the film Magic Mike. He's one of the dancers. He's quite a famous actor. He actually played Deathstroke in the Justice League films. I know it, it was a very short appearance, brief appearance, but he, you know, he was that, that character. And of course, when you have a partner that speaks the language or the variety of, of, you know, the, if it's a different variety of English, in a way you create that, you know, you, you become more acquainted with the language, with it, with the pronunciation, with a lot of things. And I'm not even talking about the most dangerous minimal pairs. You know, I'm sure, I'm definitely sure that you've heard about the, one of the most infamous 
minimal pairs. Remember that the word infamous is something famous for the wrong reasons. The most famous minimal pair confusion, you know, the place where you go when it's the summer and you take the sun, it's a beach. And I'm not going to say the other word because this is a clean show. I'm not going to say the bad word. Okay, so you know what the minimal pair is. So normally there's a mispronunciation of the short I sound and the long E sound. And this is something very particular about English. We have long vowels and short vowels. That's the quality that sets English apart from many other languages. I know there are other languages in which, you know, short and long vowels might coexist with regular vowels, but this is something special in English. And you have to really nail those long sounds and short sounds. For example, I always find it funny. I, I don't usually say anything because it's quite understandable. But I find it funny, for example, when, when students confuse the pronunciation of course, like an English course, and curse, which is, for example, when a witch curses you, and, and then she says, like a spell, and then something bad will happen to you when you say, I'm cursed. So there, the difference is the O sound in cores, like I said before, English cores, but people say English curse, like the curse of the Black Pearl, one of the films of the Pirates of the Caribbean. So be careful when you say, I'm going to my English curse, because it sounds like you're not going to have a lot of fun. So there you have it. You have homework to do. You have to practice your minimal pairs in English. You can find lots of resources online. There are many books that you can consult with minimal pairs. But I would say just Google and find minimal pair exercises and start first listening to the difference and then trying to produce it yourself. Try to make sentences in which you can include both pronunciations there are many tongue twisters that you can find in which you can practice your minimal pairs, especially when, when you have like the same sound repeated several times. Also, I don't want to go before reminding you about the courses that I am, not the curses, the courses that I am organizing for the month of August. I know that some of you have been writing. I have, I've received your emails and I'm still on it. Just rest assured that I'm preparing everything. So it, it flows really well. So there, there's no problems when we start. Okay. Again, I apologize for my voice because, you know, I'm still in the middle of my allergies and it's been tough, but I'm here because I, you know, I don't want to leave you alone. And remember that I'm on it. I'm preparing the courses and it's going to be, I'm, I will try to have it ready by next month, probably by the end of next month, the month of June. So uh, we can have the whole month of July to give any information or any details to offer you the possibility to make the payment in advance. And so we can start, you know, all the groups, the two groups that I'm organizing for August. So remember, it's going to be a month and I'm going to be covering the, the techniques and, and the way that you can approach the strategies that you can use for the exams. It's going to be for C1 and C2. And yeah, this is, this is what we're, I'm planning to do. Okay. So stay tuned because I have, I will have, I will bring more information about this in the coming weeks. So thank you very much for joining me this week again. And as I always say, thank you very much and bye-bye. <laughs>